Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is a very funny comedian from Binghamton, New York, Hal Stewart. Hal and I recorded this in person, I don't know, about six months ago. So I have no idea what the hell we talked about. But I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was great. Hal's been doing comedy for a little more than two years. I saw his first open mic, and uh, wasn't half bad. But I performed all over the state with him. You guys are going to like him a lot. We've got another On The Zoom comedy show happening at 8 p.m. Saturday, December 19th. You can see Los Angeles comedians Jen Eden and Alex Kane and Winston Hodges from the D.C. area. Tickets are only $5, and they're available on Facebook or Eventbrite. Or you can become a Patreon member, and for $5 a month, you can have access to every comedy show we do. So you don't even need to be there on Saturday to watch the show. It's a steal, especially when you consider in January, you get three shows for $5. I'm not a bright guy, but that's a deal. I probably could have left it at I'm not a bright guy, and you're like, yeah, we get it. We've listened before. You are dumb. I really appreciate you, assholes. And with that, I say enjoy Hell Stewart. Please like, share, subscribe. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Huh? You, I think you're the third person in my house since March. All right, good. That's good. So, so you're uh, the only person who's not seen me naked. So, all right. Well, hopefully that does not change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's resistant at first, but I think they grow to like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's that's not true. Yeah, I was actually nervous you'd be in a bathrobe. I would when I when I knocked on the door and you're like, "Come in." I was like, "Oh boy." Yeah, but I didn't say come in. Well, could have. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't. Do you own a bathrobe? No. Yeah, I don't either. Like, why? <laughs> I don't think I know anybody who owns a bathrobe. Like, no guy, at least. I, I don't even use the one. There's the whole. Every hotel has that. Yeah. Bathrobe you can use. I've never once ever felt the urge. I'm gonna slip that on. When you go to a hotel, like, is there anything you absolutely have to do? No, I'm not. I'm not neurotic about anything. I do. Um, you're not with a cop or anything, are you? No, not I, anymore. I, good. I do steal one washcloth at least. Just one? Yeah, just one. Oh, at least. Okay. Yeah, at least. Yeah. To, to create a set? Just like, to, I don't know why, just because I feel like I should. Like, this is the thing to do. Well, that's, if I have to pay for a cover charge at a bar, I want to leave with a, a glass. Like, I, I want a mug, you know, some, a souvenir to justify that I had to pay to walk into that door. Yeah, no, it's, I guess it's the same thing then. It's, I just want something. And maybe it's a, a memory, even though they're all white, so I can't tell which is which. Yeah. And they're all in the general population of towels now, but, yeah. It's probably a good thing you don't steal those white bathrobes, especially now in this climate. Yeah. Like, if you just had <laughs> you just had a stack of, of white robes under your bed, people might get suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like know. you got them. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very nervous laugh. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I'm just thinking, like you know, having having somebody over, having my one black friend over or something. You know, well, everybody's um, got one. Yeah, that the one. Yeah, I always wonder how that would go. Like, if you legit only had one, you know, it's like, hey, listen, uh, Jamal, I, I'm I know you're new here and you don't have any friends. I'd like to be your friend, but I only really want to be your friend right. if I need you. Yeah. You know what I mean, right? I had a joke like, where, uh, and it was a long time ago, so I don't think I remember it, and I'm sure it wasn't good, but, uh, you know, because everybody does have that one black friend, and, like, I have, I had two, and I was like, I always felt awkward, like, like, do I introduce them? Do I keep them hidden from each other? Because 
I don't know what the government will allow me to have. Yeah, it's. I mean, we tried to have black friends a long time ago, but you know, we got greedy with it and had them do other things for us. Yeah, I, so I, that wasn't cool. It's it's nice though that right now we're having like not this conversation, yeah. but but you know, broader, bigger conversations. So you know, it's it's a lot of things. That there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily you know racist or that you know they but they don't know how to act around them because they're afraid of being labeled as such. And, and listen, how I used to see how like I'm like I'll act around them, yeah. you know. God, one of the worst things you could say. You're gonna have to cut that out. No, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna leave with this. It's just gonna <laughs> you be a should, loop. yeah, no. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna dissect everything you've said wrong throughout this yeah. entire hour. Yeah, and then just cut it down, condense it, and then loop it. But, uh, but no, it's good. I, I, I say that because it's good that we're having these conversations, so we we can learn how we're doing things wrong and be better. I don't know, whatever. That's my, that's it. I'm not gonna talk about <laughs> about that that whole thing again. There's, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about statues coming down. Nothing. I because I think I, maybe maybe this pandemic is like a like a, a mandated timeout to think about what we've done for the last 400 years. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I was reading a it's um I was reading an article about the uh, the transatlantic slave trade and there's a guy who's alive whose grandmother was on the last ship and he's 83 years old. He's old, but you know, people think of that as like it's so long ago. Like you said yeah. 400 years and it's so far in the past and it doesn't really affect anybody, but this guy's grandmother was on that. So to say that, you know, that this is so far removed, he would have, she was alive up until he was six. So he would have been touched. Someone we live with in this country would have been touched by somebody who was brought here. Is it the last 400 years? It's really the last yesterday. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I don't know. This is uplifting. Good, good, good. Yeah. I didn't want (laughs) it to make sense, but, uh, yeah. I usually like to start these podcasts off on a major downer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. No, it's there's no downer. This is good. This is all good things. We're 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 having a broad conversation in the country, and it's great. I think it's the best thing in the world that you know, there's black people, there's white people, there's everybody's out there protesting for equality, asking police to stop beating and killing black people. And so far, they've gotten a name change of the Dixie Chicks, name change of Lady Antebellum. <laughs> which, which honestly is yeah. what we all wanted anyway. Yeah, like, holy cow, like, really trying to change the conversation. And I believe a Golden Girls episode has been removed. I was like, wow, you're not listening, are you? <laughs> Nobody wants that. Like, there's real issues we want to take care of. I haven't seen the Golden Girls probably since the late 80s because my grandma... Uh, love them. And so we, we, I think it was on CBS maybe. And uh, I think they only had CBS there. Like, I remember seeing Picket Fences and Empty Nest. That's how long ago it was. And it was when Full House was new. So oh, wow. you, you were talking like eight Thursdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think Full House is Tuesday at a certain point. Not that this, this whole podcast honestly probably is about Full House. Like if I go back and look at the archives, yeah. probably I mentioned Full House every episode. But yeah, I, I didn't re, I forgot and or didn't know. That Golden Girls had a blackface episode. Yeah, I didn't know. I yeah. used to watch the Golden Girls quite a bit. I loved it. Like I would watch it. Like Does when it, hold it was. Up? Um. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there was on it's in syndication. Maybe I don't know, fifteen years ago. It probably still is. And I used to watch all the time. I don't remember that episode. I probably maybe in this climate, if I saw it, I, I would it would stand out to me. Maybe it just didn't stand out. But yeah, I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, I just you know, I guess I just got to get a different Halloween costume because. Normally I go blackface. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's, you don't. It's not not the time for that. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take the gear off. Yeah, I'll revisit yeah. it in 2021. Just uh, yeah, just just get one of those white robes from under your bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I met you what two years ago? Yeah, you, you've been doing comedy for about two years, right? About two years. Yeah, it's coming up on two years. July, the end of July, somewhere. Yeah. Um, July 30th or 31st, like that. You started at what 42, 41, something like that, like 40, uh, 40, I think. So what? 
what got you started that late? Like, I mean, how long had you been thinking about doing it before you got on stage? Yeah, I've been thinking about doing it since, man, since I was like in my 20s. But it's just one of those things where it's a couple things going on. One, how do you get into it? You know, it's, it's something I never really bothered to actually research, never really worked to try to get into it. And then also, even if you do, like when I lived in Syracuse, there was a uh, Wise Guys in downtown. Yeah. And uh, they had an open mic night and I would always talk about going, but I never would. And so finally, uh, what had happened, um, I, uh, I, when I, I got a job at Town Square Media, Bill Lake worked there and he was talking about an open mic he did at, uh, Maddie B's. Right. And that's where, uh, you were going there, obviously. And, uh, so I went there once and just to kind of see what it was like and, and see what the comics were like. And so as I'm, I'm watching them, I saw the first comic go up and I thought, I looked at Emily and I was like, I can do this. This is, you know, I'm not trying to brag about my abilities. It was just what I saw as like, this isn't, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. Then the second comic went up and he told a joke that, that I had told about Wonder Woman. And I was like, okay, pretty, nothing brilliant, pretty obvious joke. And I was like, yeah, I I can totally do so. Yeah. It was just uh, all those things kind of merging together. And so finally I said, why not? Might as well try it. So from the, from the time you saw that show to the first time you went on stage, how long, how long did that take? Um, maybe it was in the summer, the same summer, a month, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, I think I saw, I saw that Maddie B's had an open mic in, I'm going to say, uh, August, maybe. Maybe it wasn't that long, but I think it took me about six months to actually get on stage. So maybe, maybe I, I, I no, that's what it was. I knew Maddie B's had one and it took me six months to go to Maddie B. Then I got the, you know, I saw the area or whatever. And then a few months after that, I went. So it took me a while to get on stage. And I think I was 32. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, like, like you, like I just kind of I'm like, oh, well, I'll do this later. I, I've got stuff to do. I've, I work second shift. I, I don't have time. Fuck it. If I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But if I want to do it, fucking do it. Yeah. And I, I think I just I just had enough. I mean, it's, you know, you're going to die someday. So you might as well do all the things you want to do. Right. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, there's no reason to not to. And I, I wish I had started earlier. I mean, I guess it's something I've always tried to be the funny person. When I was really young, uh, there's this kid, Bill Magnarelli, who's probably listening right now. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, right now, because this is completely live. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> through the power of podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but he was like he, we would get up in like third grade and fourth grade and we would do these like um, weekly projects where we'd have to write about something. And he would always be funny, always make the, the, the class laugh. And I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I tried to be a funny guy. That's kind of where I got this idea that I could kind of started and I just kept doing it through, you know, throughout life until I finally got here. And you grew up in Syracuse, right? Yeah, I grew up in Syracuse. Lived there all my life till I joined the Navy and bounced around, of course. Then where'd you go to high school? Uh, Henniger High. I thought I knew that because my, my school, UE, Union Endicott, we used to get our asses kicked by Henniger. Really? Like, oh yeah, it was like, uh, the football team. Yeah, yeah. They, they would, they really do well in like the stack and, and go, go to the playoffs and just get fucking dominated. Yeah. When I was there, we had a kid, Marquise Walker, who's also probably listening. Um, he was, uh, he broke like, he was a wide receiver, broke all the state records and ended up getting, he went to Michigan and got drafted by, uh, Tampa Bay in the third round, but never, never really stuck. But, uh, yeah, uh, when he was there, we were really, really good. Um, then the, the two years prior when he wasn't there though, we were just awful. The, I think the most successful football player in my school was Isaiah Kazavinsky, who ended oh, up, yeah, yeah. yeah, he ended up becoming like a, a captain of the special teams for, uh, the Rams the Seahawks. or the Seahawks. Well, I think he was on the Rams at the very end. Okay. But yeah, and then uh, I don't know. Well, you got Chandler Jones and Arthur Jones, John Bones Jones. Who's, That's right. Yeah. Who's uh, always, you know, he behaves. He's an yeah. upstanding <laughs> member of society all the time. And then 
Another guy, a guy I went to school with, uh, Dave Archer, is now Cornell's football coach. Okay. And he was, I think at the time, he was the youngest D1 head coach for football ever. Yeah, it seems UE has like a lot of, it seems anyways, a lot of pro athletes come out of there. Yeah, like, I think so. Um, I know Jim Johnson was yeah. was a reliever for the Orioles, and he bounced around quite a bit. But he was there for, I'm going to say, 12 years in the majors, maybe. And... Uh, yeah, I graduated him as well. So I did not go to the pros, but yeah, yeah. I wrote about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you <laughs> watched it. the pros. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, sure did. I was. I saw Jim Johnson in the Double A locker room, and it was Altoona for the the All Star game back in 2006. And I walked in there, and I'm like, "Hey, Jimmy." And he goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, I could say the same about you. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I'm good. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. So, yeah. But, and then I saw him uh, one time because I went to Baltimore to work and I was covering a, a Yankees Orioles series. And then I saw Jim Johnson, just this is all I saw about him. He was stealing something out of Nick Markakis' locker and went to the shower. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to follow him. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're good here. So, but yeah, Yui does pump out some talent. I don't know. Recently, I have no idea. But yeah, I don't know either. Back I know then, yeah. And well, just the Little League World Series. So I'm expecting yeah. one of those kids to pop up. On yeah, and like 2000, I think it was 2016, and they will milk that forever. Hey, why not? I, I, mean, I guess, yeah. But I'm like, I'm like that, that news mentality where it's like, okay, we're done. Yeah. You, you've had your eight months. Put the banners away, but no, that's never gonna be how it happens. You think you think those guys can pick up chicks later on? Like they'll be in a bar when they're twenty two, and they'll be like, uh, "You know, I'm Josh Smith. You know, I won the little Little League World Series 2016. Where are you going? You know, Chuck E. Like, Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't know. I I wonder if they get rings. I never thought they about got that. To. They have to. Yeah. You have to. Come on. Yeah, I yeah. just. But that's another thing. Like, where do you where do you go after you win the Little League World Series? Like as a team, you, you're all 13 and 12 year olds. Like, like, where do you go? How do you celebrate? You? Well, Walter Matthau would have give the kids beer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would celebrate right now with you. Like, I'm 37. Yeah, I'm, I'll do that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you reserve a room at Pizza Hut? Yeah, I don't know. I, it must be. Well, not Pizza Hut anymore, but yeah, I, I guess it's like we're going to McDonald's, <laughs> the one with the play place. The, the play place. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, like, fuck grimace. We're doing whatever. We yeah. Want. I don't know. It's uh, interesting. Maybe I'll I, I'll write my congressman. There you and go. Maybe he or she will have the answer. I, I don't even know if I have a he or she congressman. You have a he. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and no we're problem. done. That's all. That's all I called you over here to ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're in the Navy, man. How, how long are you in the Navy? Four years. Four years. Yeah. In and out. Best and worst four years of my life. Why is that? Uh, I I hated every second of it. I was too young. Well, I mean, not too young to join, but I was too young to have like a to be smart enough to know that that this is a good thing, right? It was just a, everything was a drag. But at the same time, I had a ton of fun. Uh, I loved everybody that was on USS Ross, Team Ross. What's up? They're all listening oh, right okay, now, I'm cool. sure. Yeah. You got a big fan base. Oh, yeah. This is going to be huge. This is going <laughs> to, this is going to be literally 11 people listening, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> plus my six. We're okay. Good. Wow. Wow. Um, I hope your server doesn't blow up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had so much fun. And I wouldn't give it up for the world. But when I was in it, I couldn't stand it. I wanted nothing more than to get out. I would go home probably more than the average person. Like if I had a weekend free, I'd go home. You know, I'd spend the money on a plane ticket. So, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely loved it and definitely would encourage anybody who is considering it to, to look into it at the very least. Um, if I hadn't joined, I was not a good student. I was very lazy as a kid. You know, not that I'm any better now, but. I mean, I, who knows what my life would be right now if I hadn't. I don't think you do any of the, the material on stage from the Navy. Like, have, have you had any jokes about that? No, I haven't, I haven't really touched that yet. Um, 
I don't know why. I just, it, I just haven't. I like to focus more on, you know, my family and, and what's going on there. The Navy thing is it can be tough because a lot of the stuff that I would talk about isn't necessarily going to be relatable for anybody else. And I don't want people thinking I'm just like shitting. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can uh, swear. Yeah. Um, I think I've said fuck like 19 times. Uh, oh, I haven't been paying attention to you. Well, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't, I don't also don't want people thinking I'm just shitting on the troops, you know. So, so I, I try not, I try to avoid that, you know. Uh, again, the biggest thing though is I don't know how relatable it would be. It's not, you know, to try to tell a story and explain to people why the bread has a big hole in the middle. You know, it's because they don't know how to bake the bread fully. So the middle would be raw. You'd have to punch it out. And while it's funny if you were there making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without a middle instead of no crust. Right. It was funny in the moment. It's hard to really translate that and get other people to laugh My at. My head just went to, because f- they fucked the bread. It could have, you know, that's, that's all, that's, absolutely, that's where my mind goes. Absolutely. That could have been that to, to find out that that happened. I mean, when I was in boot camp, there was a guy who got kicked out, not kicked out, but sent back, uh, to an earlier class because he, uh, was caught in a laundry pile, uh, making love to it. So would somebody doing bread surprise me? Probably not. Was it right out of the dryer? I don't know. I, I would, if, it, if that's the case, the, like the if it's warm, all warm, yeah, hard to blame the guy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, if I'm being honest, I don't know. I didn't really get the details on it. Yeah. I started doing my own laundry when I was about 13 or 14 years old. Why do you think that is? Hope my mom's not listening. Oh, oh, that's right. She's never going to listen to anything I do. I'm safe. It's too bad. I, uh, I'll, I'll see if your mom. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. No, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure your mom listens. You don't think she listens? No. To the podcast? No. Oh, come I, on. No, She's got to listen. No, no, no. I guarantee it. Here's here's my mom. She is extremely busy. She is supportive if it is within her time constraints that she puts on herself. So she is never going to go see my shows voluntarily. She will never listen to a podcast I do. Uh, she won't like a post unless it involves her. Like I had a joke recently that you know it involved her head in a box. She liked that and commented on it. Okay. But if it doesn't involve her, nah, wow. she's not into it. But I set, I set up Spotify on her phone so she could listen to Broadway shows. I was the best son for like six hours. So that's what I have to do. It has to really involve her. Like, like if I said, Mom, I'm gonna, I did a, a, a two hour episode. It involved just stories about you. She might listen to that. She might listen. Well, might. let her know that she's got like a two minute spot here. My mom is definitely going to listen to this. If she finds out that I'm talking to somebody and she can hear it. Yeah, she's going to be all over. Why? It. I mean, how do you get parents that are supportive? That's, I guess, yeah. like the, the whole reason I'm doing this podcast, this is an extension of my therapy session. Okay. All I want is my parents to love me and support me. So I'm asking, how did you make that happen? Uh, well, I only got 50% of the way there. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't know. I got a great mom. I can't, uh, you know, I, I probably have jokes about it, but, uh, no, uh, she's great. Uh, I got nothing bad. If you, if you're looking for me to make no. a joke about no, her, no, I, no, I've no. got nothing. Yeah. No, that's um, good. no, she's great. But you've got, jo- okay. So you've got jokes about, uh, your wife and your stepson. Do you have to run those by them before you go on stage? Yes. Okay. I, um, actually I run every joke by Emily. Emily is great. She is She'll listen to these jokes, no matter how bad they are, no matter how stupid, no matter what they are, she, over and over and over again. And she, she kind of, it's, she's great because she'll be honest with me if it sucks or if it doesn't. And there's been times when I've told jokes about different things that we've got going on and she just kind of looks at me. She doesn't tell me no. She looks at me no. Right. And so, yeah, I, I run them by her. And if she, if, you know, if at any point she ever told me, Hey, don't. Don't tell that joke. I absolutely that would be the end of it. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, I mean, that's one of the that's one of the good things about being a single comedian. It's like I don't have to 
yeah, worry but, about that. Sure, but then you also don't have the material to worry about. That's it. very so, true. That's so, very true. Yeah, nobody's going to tell you no to something you couldn't create. Although you could very easily just make up. Nobody's going to know if you don't have a girlfriend. If you're at the, you know, if you're at the bar, just make up the story. It's hard for me to lie like that because uh, I've noticed I, I haven't done this. I, I'm afraid that I would do it, but I've seen guys go on stage and they're bringing back old material. Like about this girlfriend, and they'll they'll try to make it current, so they'll try to intertwine it with the you. current girlfriend. And it's like, no, dude, like you're using two different stories. Yeah. Like, She's cool in this one. No, my last girlfriend's a bitch or whatever. It's like, no, you you fucking forgot to take my last out of there. Like, yeah, like you were programmed yourself into telling that joke for a year when you guys were dating. Now you're with somebody else, different joke, different person, doesn't work. So right. I'd be afraid of doing that. Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I don't try to, any, any joke I have about like my family is generally true. They're exaggerated, of course, but whatever it is, it's, it's happened. Um, it, with the, the lone exception, I never actually saw my parents have sex on a home video. Um, but I have, so oh, it works out. I couldn't imagine. I, <laughs> I absolutely could not imagine the horror of that. Um, what that would be like, but, uh, yeah, I you know I I think I think if you're you're telling a joke about somebody that you know, it's it's easier for you to make it relatable one and funny if there's some semblance of truth. If you're trying to attach a story to somebody else, it, at least for me, it it doesn't work. It doesn't it wouldn't work for me to take a story about one of my exes attach it to Emily. One because I wouldn't do that to her. Um cuz all those girls are complete bitches and that guy. But uh <laughs> the guy was cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was this prison stint. Um <laughs> but uh but I wouldn't do that to her, but also for me it's just a ma- it just I know I'm lying. So I I can kind of see like your point. Like I, I know I'm lying to these people. So it might come across that. Well, I I think I I attack it from like the base. Like if it's true or at least based out of truth, it's easier to remember the story. For sure, yeah. So, like, you're not like, oh, like, I forgot, you know, I had him jump off the bridge. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you don't need to add that. You don't have to worry about forgetting it because this is all completely true. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I, I tell a joke about uh, my dad, my my real dad, and how he, he used to, he always wanted to fight me and stuff, and, and I, I knocked about one of the roll quarters. All that is true. The part that's not true is I didn't sprinkle them on his face and go back in to get him for bus fare. Right, know? right. You know, so yeah, it makes it does make it easier to 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 remember the joke and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd ever risk losing all that money. Well, yeah, I guess I, I didn't think about it. I, you know, it's they all kind of stayed in my hand. I didn't really know what would happen to be honest <laughs> with you. I really didn't plan the whole thing out. I. uh that just it's it's one of those things you just you just do it you roll the dice I don't know it's his ten bucks anyway so <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad that's a bad investment on his part yeah it was yeah he didn't yeah well he didn't even know he didn't know what was gonna happen <laughs> didn't know it was coming either yeah I had no idea yeah it was uh uh it was a great moment in my life I was fourteen I think and uh what, is, what happened like what did he so, do to yeah he bring my, that on? my parents had, had split up and it, he took it really hard. And so he, because your mom is so lovely, right? Exactly. No, I mean, um, he he took it took it very hard, and I think he he turned to alcohol, and and uh, it just uh, I think for him it was very tough because he growing up, you no, know, he was rejected by his family. He was in foster home, was never really got adopted. 
I don't think he went to a regular school. If I if I remember correctly, he would go to like some type of secondary school or placement for bad kids. And so he didn't have a really good childhood. He never had good parents. And then he followed that up by going to Vietnam. So he didn't have a good start to life. So being rejected by everybody. And so when she left him, I think he took that so hard. Like, here we go again. And now he's going to look to me and say, well, it's just I'm going to reject him yeah. before he can be. So... He would, yeah, he'd get drunk. He'd never really hit me, but he would always push me and want to fight. And I just had enough. And I just, yeah, I decided I was going to knock him out. And I knew if you put a roll of quarters in your hand, that it would give greater impact to your punch. And so, yeah, I did it. And I left that, left that night. And that, yeah, it's great. It's a good moment for me. <laughs> it really was because I, you know, I, I decided at that moment I was done taking anybody's nonsense. Nobody's going to give me shit that I don't deserve. And so I think in, in that way, it was really good for me. Do you always keep a roll of quarters on you just in case? I have one right now. So now I know, okay, you know, uh, be careful. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll frame my questions a little differently now, now that I know a quarter's coming. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so that's how that came up. And I, like I said, it was it was good for me. I mean, I look back on it and I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm not glad it happened. I'm glad I did it. Because um, yeah, I just, it made me realize I don't have to take any nonsense. Somebody, you know, claims to, to love me, but they're giving me a lot of static and they're not acting like it I, you know, to get out of there. I don't have to punch them all, but certainly to, to get on out. My dad and I are going to grab lunch on like Friday and I can't wait to ask him what he would do if I hit him with a roll of quarters. Snore. It's, you should do it, man. Just do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. question it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he might be really surprised because we get along pretty well. Okay. If I just, if I just decked him with some change, yeah. like, what it'll, the fuck? I, just, I built you a desk. <laughs> it'll, it'll definitely shock him uh, for sure. I actually, I don't know. You know, I, to this day, I don't really know what happened next because I, I lived, I went on to live at his house for another couple of months. We never talked about it. We never, I never had a problem with him again. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the, what the final verdict was, but there you go. So there you go. I, yeah, I know. I didn't, there's that story. All right. I didn't expect that one. <laughs> no, so neither did I. Fine. So yeah, but yeah, for him, I mean, I don't look back. I don't hate him or anything. I, you know, I, He's dead now, and I, oh, you know, okay. I, I feel sympathy for him. Like I said, he didn't have a good. You figure growing up, being rejected, and then going to Vietnam. It, it's not a good start how, for a human how being. How many people come back healthy from Vietnam? Uh, yeah, like mentally. Yeah, no, I don't know. Not many. I can't imagine many. And I think some, you know, some that claim they are probably on the inside really aren't. Who knows? So yeah. There's a good chance you. You knocked out Lieutenant Dan. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think he was a corporal or a sergeant or something. Okay, I, okay, yeah. I didn't mean to, you know, disrespect the rank. No, it's fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> is that is that why you went to the Navy part in part? Because no. he had service time. No, I went to the Navy because I had no idea what I was. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I was a I was a screw up as a kid. I just okay. yeah I was well. You know, I would get like six, you know, what is 65, right? That was passing. Yeah. So that was my benchmark. My A was a 70. There was nobody else's A in, in their eyes, not my teachers or my parents. But for me, a 75, whew, I worked hard, man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Both of my parents are teachers, and they would get frustrated, my dad especially, because I would work really hard the first couple marking periods. And every marking period after the second, I'm like, okay, well, what do I need to get in order to pass? And I was never shooting to get a 65. But I wanted to see how much pressure I can relieve for myself for the end. So I remember coming up to my dad and like, yeah, all I need to do is get a 12 on the math final and I'm good. And he goes, why don't you shoot for higher? I go, no shit. But all I need to do is get a 12 and I'm passed. I'm coasting. Uh, yeah. And he never understood that. We had an argument about it probably three months ago. I mean, 
I'm 37. I graduated. I, I graduated college. And he still holds on to that. You know, if you would have tried a little harder than a 12 in high school, I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm never going to win. But my dad, shitty student. So. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. I was the same way. And I, I get on Jake's case about his grades and stuff. And, and hopefully he's not listening to this. I, but I was exactly the same way as he is now. Just bare minimum. Whatever I can do to get by, I would like you. I would do the math. What it, you know? I just need a thirty. You know, and you'd go around bragging about it, like I only need a thirty on the final to pass, so I'm good. I don't even need. I'll guess my way. Yeah, you know. So, but I don't know. I it's it's unfortunate though. I look back and I somebody I think in Whitney Point there was like a thirteen year old that just graduated. Oh, really? Yeah. And I I look back as like yeah, I could have done that. The work wasn't that hard. If I really wanted to apply myself, I probably could. Yeah, I mean, I I, gra- I had 132 credits in college. So I know that I worked my ass off in college. So I, if I had, had any of that work ethic in high school or gave one bit of a shit, yeah. I could have I been an honor student. I think I graduated with an honor roll, but I could have done a whole lot better. if I, I was really, really good at gym. And good. so like gym and band classes, man, they made my report card, report card shine. So I really, really enjoyed that stuff. Yeah. No, but, gym was where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my niece, she fails gym all the time and only because she doesn't bring clothes. That's it. Yeah. And I'm like, you keep your clothes in the locker, you pass. I, I will never understand people who fail gym. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you can just put on a pair of sweatpants over your jeans and you will pass gym. They won't know the difference. Yeah. No, they won't even care, but what are you going to do? So. Your stepson, he's what, 14, 15, 16? I forget. He's 16. He's going to be 17 or so. Does he know the material you you tell on stage? No. Okay. What do you think he would say if, like, you know, he heard one of the jokes or saw it on, on YouTube or something like that? Would he give a shit? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I mean, he's he's actually really good natured. He's he's gotten there. He's he's really good with jokes. And what's nice is he's starting to give back yeah. now. I think at first he definitely would have after you know the joke. Yeah, yeah. So after the incident happened, certainly... I think now, now that he's kind of settled into what, you know, what it means to be, you know, a man, a male, I, I think he would be better named. Also, every guy has probably been caught yanking it at least once. In, in some form or fashion. You know, he wasn't caught necessarily. It's just, it was just outed, right? Yeah. It was just, you know, it's, but so, yeah, every guy has a story. Uh, my brother, uh, he, uh, he was, he was caught itch, or he's caught and he, he told his mom that, that he he had poison ivy or something, oh. you know? <laughs> some nonsense. Who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think it, I think the old it itches is, is probably the most you know common used excuse. But yeah, every guy has their story about getting caught and you know having that conversation, uh, you know, with a parent. My, my best friend and I were in music class in like sixth grade or eighth grade, one of those two, and. I looked over to this guy, his name was uh, Rick Mills, and if he's listening, I'll be fucking surprised, because <laughs> I didn't know he was still alive, so good for him. But uh, he's like this really tall kid, maybe like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and I just saw his, his right hand move very vigorously in his jeans pocket. And I was like, that doesn't seem no, right. Oh, no, yeah. So I, I uh, got a hold like like my buddy, I'm like, look at Rick, look at Rick. And he looks over and we just start dying. And the music teacher says, Mike, leave the classroom. And I said out loud, I'm like, why should I leave? I'm not the one jerking off. Ask Rick. Why, why, why does Rick get to stay? And he got up and he was so pissed off. And I pushed him over the desk. And he was so tall that he, his whole body flipped over the desk. 
And oh, I was wow. like, awesome. That's awesome. Like, and it yeah. was like it was like the greatest walk out of the classroom I've ever had in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. From Did you ev- have like a walk like in the movies when stuff shit's blowing up behind somebody and you're just kind of got this? It, you know what it was? It, like the end of the Breakfast Club. Like I heard that yeah. music playing and I'm like, like just put my fist in the okay. air. I'm like, yeah. Like everything, everything ended up really, really well for me. And then it's been a steady decline ever since. <laughs> so. That was my that was my high water mark. <laughs> yeah, wow. Basically. But, you know, that's also that joke is a good example of, uh, you know, Emily wanted me to stop telling. It. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I had to work it out. And, and so, I, you know, I, I tell it like my last show I did was in New York City. And I, you know, there's nobody around that's going to know him or anything or, you know, right. so. So I did tell it there. But, but yeah, no, I, you know, she asked me to. I did. Yeah. By the way, one of the perks of coming to my house is having yeah. a cat right in your ear. Yeah. So Mac always likes to make an appearance. So he, uh, he got frisky with your ears right there. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I I love you know one thing I I love about that joke is that I was I've been able to build off that joke so much that's where I came up with like the you know watching the tape of my parents yeah. and and my you know my mom and dad like when they conceived me and all these things and like it, it's just all built off of that joke so I was able to take all that out but soak in and you know not have it all about me yeah do you draw from any influences like uh, when you were a kid like who are your favorite comedians. Uh, I guess my favorite comedian as a kid was, uh, Gallagher. And he was actually the first comedian. I used to watch, uh, I love horror films. And so I'd go to Wegmans and I rented every horror film they had there. And the next section was comedy. And the whole line right next to the horror films was Gallagher. Oh, no kidding? Yeah. So I decided, I was like, I didn't even know what he was. So I decided to check it out. And yeah, watch the, watch one and got hooked on him. Thought he was great. I really liked, and I got to watch it again. Cause like everybody knows him from, you know, the hammer. The mallets, the sledgematic. Yeah, sledgematic, yeah. And, but I loved, like, the, the bits he would do around that. Like, he had one on English, the, how stupid the English language the is. The spelling is, yeah. Yeah, it's like good food. Like, it should be, <laughs> like, and I just, or good food should be good food. And I really, I don't know, I, I don't write, like, I don't think about Gallagher when I write material. Mm-hmm. But it has to have been something that had that joke stick with me for, I don't know, 30 years almost. Because I remember seeing him when I was a really little kid. Yeah, I um, I also like George Wallace. Um, yeah, he's. I thought he was great. Uh, I think though my biggest like actual influence, I, I I probably got more from sitcoms than I did from actual stand up. Married with Children, absolutely loved it. Um, really the whole Fox lineup, Martin, um, George Carlin show, which had a short run. I love that show. Thought it was yeah, thought it was great. Um, Night Court, which I think is yep. horribly underrated, but really uh, my family. Uh, we are a family of ball busters and I don't say that like lightly or just say we kind of joke around. It can get very, very vicious at times. And I think that's one of the things that helped Jake is once he started getting around my family, you know, kind of be comfortable and start giving it back. But that's really where a lot of it comes. And that's why a lot of my jokes have to do with family because that's the material I'm comfortable with. That's what I know to, to tell jokes on. Yeah. I love married to children so much. And, and I, I always say my parents are great parents. But at the same time, fucking terrible parents. I didn't have a curfew, and I had a TV in my bedroom. So that Sunday night lineup was uh, in Living Color, well, The Simpsons, in yep. Living Color, Married with Children, and The George Carlin Show at a, at a certain time, like probably for a few months. But I got so much of my my uh, humor from my grandma and how my parents are, but from Roseanne and Married with Children, and, and they were so harsh on each other that... I, that's I gravitated toward that immediately. Yeah, I that and there was another show that had a short run. Um, gosh, Get a Life, I think it was yep. called. Um, it was, uh, what is uh, his name? Chris Elliott. Chris, Chris Elliott. Elliott. Yeah, I thought it was an absolutely excellent show. That whole Fox, like that era of Fox, was wasn't really, Herman's really, head on Fox as well. I don't remember that one. I think it was. 
Uh, I don't remember it a whole lot, but I just remember watching it at the time. Yeah, about Parker Lewis can't lose. Parker Lewis that. can't lose. Yep. Yeah, that was like a Ferris Bueller type of yeah spinoff. Yeah, I need to get parody. Those. Another show I really liked, and it was you know a ripoff kind of of Marriage to Children, was Unhappily Ever After, and that was solid. It was the same format, really. I mean, it had a slightly off kilter uh, patriarch of the house and a beautiful daughter. And three kids, although, you know, Peg and Al had to kind of get, been gifted a kid. Yeah, seven. the third, seven. Yeah, seven. Uh, I said seven episodes in season seven. Is that, he only I don't know seven? if he only yeah, went okay. se- I know yeah. it was only a few episodes. I don't know. I added that part, the yeah. seven, but. He was a wanker, right? He yeah, he was, Bobcat, he was Bobcat Goldway's kid. Oh, that's right. And Bobcat is the voice of, Gre- of uh, uh, God, the, the bunny in Unhappily Ever After. What, Mr. Floppy. Okay. Yeah. Bobcat was Mr. Flap, Floppy. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you should watch Unhappily Ever After. You'd like it. All right. Otherwise, um, you'll hate it because it's too much like Marriage to Children. Well, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I probably will never watch it. I'm going to forget that you mentioned it, and I'm certainly not listening to this. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Well, good Good news is nobody else will either. <laughs> yeah, so, good. So I'll, be, I'll be in the majority then, except for my mom. My mom will listen the second she sees, yeah. She's she's gonna be all about it, but uh, yeah, I loved uh, loved Married with Children. That was, but I, I think those are the those sitcoms and and my family. I think were my biggest comedy, and I, to this day, I, I think you know my family, the jokes we would tell and on each other and, and stuff. I think that's that's really. I I don't know if that's where I'm mostly informed by comedy from, but probably. So we've been on a break for a while. What are you doing during the break? Um, gosh, not a lot. It seems like uh, not a lot. As far as like just doing stuff, we we made a a fire pit in our backyard. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, so dug you, it out and so everything. You're a little more domestic. Yeah, did that. Made a flower bed. I've uh, been feeding squirrels. And now there's way too many of them in our backyard. Um, as far as comedy though, they're like not a ton. I mean, I I did some open mics and and different like comedy things like from all over, like anywhere I could that was far away. I don't really enjoy doing Zoom comedy. Um, the laughs are the same, which is nice. It's it's what I'm used to. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, it feels this. There's just this empty feeling. I'm like staring into the abyss, like telling this joke and getting zero response. It, it's I just hated that. Well, I think I think you have to get into a mic that has the mics on, the speakers on, so you get laughs back. And like you know, I, I run. I've been running one for three months. Uh, and then, you know, I've been doing probably three or four mics a week for a while. And that's what it is. It's if you have the mics on, so you can hear laughter, it's fine. Yeah. And then it turns into a hang at, afterward and a, or a writer's workshop. So I think you've got to, if you're going to do something online on Zoom, like you have to go into it with a mindset. Okay, well, here's what I want to get out of this. And if it's not productive, then bail. But, you know, I think you probably make it productive, you know, but you, you just have to know. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's just for me, it just it's just something I'm just like, I don't know. I, I, I get just the same looking in the mirror and telling the jokes or telling them to Emily, yeah. you know, but it's been nice to be able to write different things and, you know, to, you know, just just focus on that because I don't have to worry about making sure I'm ready for a show. And yeah, so but it's I'm definitely ready. It's my last show is in New York City. The, and the the virus had already hit there, so people were already kind of social distancing, and we were already social distancing. And it was kind of like a graveyard. Like I got into the the West Village, in and out, got street parking, no problem. And uh, yeah, it was and yeah, it, so that was late March. I'm definitely ready to get back and do it again and get on stage in front of people and for sure. Who's more ready to get you out of the house, you or Emily? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love her and I love, absolutely love like the time we get to spend together. It's been great, but 
there's it's hard it's because as at different times somebody else wants attention when you've got something going on you know i've got some i got to really try to bear down and and try to make some calls and and work with a client and then she wants to come over and talk about camping it's like you know so i think it i think it's definitely a tie but it's it's you know I'm not just saying this just because she might hear, but it's been really nice though spending you know so much extra time together. Yeah, uh, it's been fantastic. So yeah. you do you do sales? Yes. Does that help you do comedy at all? Absolutely. Yeah, it it makes me comfortable on stage. Um, you know, talking to people and and trying to get things uh, get things across and try, and trying to sell my joke to them and not being worried about rejection because you know in sales you hear no far more than you hear yes. So if the first joke doesn't go over well, we'll, we'll get there. You know, we'll we'll work it out. Maybe, but uh, I'm not going to be discouraged the rest of my set because nobody's laughing, you yeah. know. Yeah. So between that and Nips, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the show at Nips was was uh, interesting. I yeah. I always think back to that show is uh, with uh, fondness because that was I was working with uh with the three other people and you know it just didn't work out and and that was the first show you know I kind of went off I'm like okay here's what I want to do here's how I want to do things and uh, it was me you Brian Walsh and Paul Kozlowski and people were there they they came to see the show but the problem was they came like 2 hours early and pre-gamed for it and then by the time there was a comedy show nobody wanted to see the comedy show so like we had we had like 10 people probably who were really I mean they tipped well they they were really with us but the people who were pre-gaming fucking didn't care we got louder they got louder they got louder we got louder it was a mess but uh, we got paid afterward, and it was a good hang afterward, and and I, I loved it. I mean, we had a good time. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, but if you can if you can do comedy at Nips, you can do comedy pretty much anywhere. Yeah, I uh, I I don't look back at it like, man, I can't believe we did that. I one, I'm glad I had that happen to me so early. Yeah, that was maybe my third or fourth show. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great experience to have just people ignore you, just flat out not only ignore you, but try to make you want to leave. It was like their goal to get us out of there. It reminded me of childhood, honestly. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Like, I'm the third of four kids. Like, my parents just stopped ignoring me, or my parents stopped paying attention to me, and eventually I just went to college. Yeah, but no, it's definitely a good time. I absolutely wouldn't wouldn't give it back for anything. I would not, if I could go back in time, I would not want them to shut up. No. No. Uh, Do you remember your worst show you've ever had? Your worst set? Yeah, well, uh, as far as my worst set, um, I don't know. I mean, there's maybe early on, they're all kind of the same. They're all this back when I would just, I tried to memorize all the lines, like not just the jokes, but every line in the joke. And so as I'm talking, I'm thinking about what am I going to say next this whole time? And so I'm very robotic. So any set when I was doing that would be my worst. My worst show has to be uh, and I didn't realize it till later. I did a show in Long Island and I killed. And I'm not, this isn't just some arrogance. I mean, I, you know, I'm listening to the audience. They absolutely loved it. It came up afterwards and said, wow, you're really good. And like, man, and I was riding high, but too high. Cause then I went down to do a show in PA, cocky as can be. And I bombed. So I look back at that show where I, you know, that, that show where I did so well was my worst show only because it, it kind of, it, but I've also learned a lot from it. You know, it, it put me in a spot where I thought I was Dave Chappelle, you know, and I'm now I'm going to go down here and show these people what comedy is. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it cost me, it set me back some. So, yeah, this isn't a fucking job interview. You didn't need to lead with a strength as your weakness. Well, no, it's it just, <laughs> I'm just saying it was my worst show because it, it gave me this, you know, I, it was just my worst is in that it gave me a bad, you yeah. know, a bad vibe about who I really was. My worst set though, anything I did in the beginning when I was just being very robotic, I, I guess there was one at the Legion, um, that we did. There were two people showed up and I think this is after you were, 
It had to be. Yeah, you, I wasn't. You, I wasn't there. Okay, yeah. so yeah, there are two people, and they came from Canada. You know, not counting Emily and and her friend, but there were two other people that paid. Only two people that paid, and uh, they were from Canada. So I'm like, wow, you guys came all the way from Canada for this? How, how'd you find out? The Facebook or whatever, and then they tell me they can't hear me, and so I speak up, and they they can't hear me, and I was like, they're like, try turning the microphone off, and I was like, oh, are you sure it's not the English to Canadian that you're not understanding? Right. And so I get done with my set, and I, I walk off, and you got to kind of go off stage, and you, so you can't see anybody, and I come out the door, and the next comedian's coming in, and as I come out, I see the two ladies walking away. <laughs> <laughs> they gave up on the show, so yeah. Good effort. Yeah. So the next, the next three comedians, they followed me. They, they had to perform to nobody. It's, it's great. Oh, that's the joy of a local show. Yeah, that's the American Legion in Binghamton. I think, I think I did three shows there before I left. Yeah, and uh, three or four, something like that. So much potential because yeah, you and I went in there and got that place, and it's like, oh yeah, we'll pack it for you. Or oh my god, we'll get like a yeah. hundred people, maybe in the in the three shows I think I did there. Maybe we got forty five people all together. I think yeah, the first show when it was like uh, twenty five. Tori, yeah, Tori had brought a lot of people from uh, maybe a Dunkin' Donuts yeah. or that he he knows. Um, and my whole family and everybody came down. Honest to God, I would never have brought those people down if I didn't knew that. The whole thing about the Legion supplying 70 people, whatever it was, was a lie. I thought it was just going to be packed. Yeah, me too. I had this this whole image. And then, of course, you get there and the parking lot is filled, but it's bowling night. And nobody tells you that. Yeah, we didn't know yeah. there was a bowling alley in the <laughs> yeah. Legion. And they got a bar there where you can smoke. It was oh, like, man. And nobody gave one single shit yeah. about what we're doing. That was that was the first. Well, the, my first show was with you. The, you did a um, you set up a show for myself, John Bianchi and. Uh, Anya Klistikova. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was like a new talent showcase. Yep. That was my first one. Then the, that was my second one. But it was the first one where, you know, outside of the, the spotlight where we do the open mics. And I, yeah, I remember that meeting like, talking about all these people. And I was riding high. I was like, my God, at five bucks each, we're going to be walking out of there. I'm never going to have to work again. This is already happening. Yeah. You had 20 people later. <laughs> that's a, that's a wake up call to local. Yeah, pal. man. Yes, it was. I had no, that was, that was something I honestly, I still can't get over that. More people don't want to go to a local comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I, I think I think local comedy is seen as one. It's invisible. We don't we don't know what happens in this town unless for sure, unless, yeah. unless it's it's foisted upon us. I think they see it as an inconvenience more than anything else. I'm interested to see you know uh, once we start really getting full full gear into producing shows again. I'm interested to see if people are going to come out and support. Because now the local comedy is something they've been missing. Or if they're going to be like, yeah, you know, Dave Chappelle's going to throw out something every couple months. We'll just stick inside I, until then. I don't need those people. Right. Yeah, I, it's so odd to me. I just, I, I, that in that way, two ways I was disillusioned about comedy. One was that I thought people wanted to see it. Apparently not. Um, they, they do. They want to see the big acts. But, you know, otherwise they don't. And the other thing was I, I thought that comics were going to be so nice to each other. I thought we'd be one big happy family. Yeah, no. Not at all. Man, this is so cutthroat. And I, I tell people, I'm not saying this because you're in front of me now, but I'm so thankful that you were there when I started. Because when I started, I, I told myself I wasn't going to wait for someone to give me permission to, to be on a show. Um, so, you know, when I like would go out and try to find venues, you were like so willing to accept them. And, and I, and I see all these other promoters and, you know, I travel all over to do open mics and do shows wherever I can go. 
And there's so many people out there who act like they're kingmakers and, you know, just really arrogant snobs, other promoters. I couldn't imagine like having, trying to work with one, you know, and, and trying to get my started in an absolute. Well, I, uh, and I almost never compliment myself on this, but I try to, I try to put myself always in, in my mindset, uh, the mindset I had when I was starting out. And because I wanted to be on shows so badly and I wasn't, I, I, I didn't earn the opportunity to do so. I wasn't funny enough. Whatever the reason was, I'm sure they had tons of good ones, but I was always pissed off. I'm like, well, if, if I were in charge, I would do it this way. So when I started producing shows, I really wanted to make sure anybody who wanted to be on a show got the opportunity eventually. Like I wanted to make sure that, you know, if, if I saw Hal Stewart working, I, if he came to my mic, you know, 10 mics in a row or something like that, dude deserves a spot. I don't care if he's funny or not. Like, you know, if he's funny, I'll give him more time. If he's not, hey, man, he's here and he's busting his ass. So, you know, I think the work ethic uh, that deserves something. Uh, and I, I try to be as fair as possible in, in doling out time and, and try to get a rotation schedule uh, set up. So, like, I don't know. I, I just I can't go backward and I can't say, well, I only like working with so-and-so and these six people. I'm only going to work with them. I don't think it's right because I think in my position and, you know, right or not, you know, I... I run the open mic and that's what I do. I run the open mic and, and I run a lot of rooms and I am by no means in charge of anything more than that. But I think the right way to cultivate the scene and keep it growing is to reward people for the work they put in. So like, like I was never going to tell you, no, you can't do this show. Uh, like you, you have to, you have had to do this for six months, eight months. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that. If you're funny, I'll get you on a show. If you work hard, I'll get you on a show. You have to be funny, apparent, obviously, but but like I don't even think the funny is the most important part for me. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, like I said, I think there's so many guys. There's a lot of good ones though. You know, um, Alan uh, Prentice up in Albany, oh, yeah. they're really great dude. Him and Robbie. I mean, you know, they 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 put people on their shows. They even know me. They just took somebody else's word. And it was the same thing. You know, just told them. I said, yeah, this guy Mike Peters is really funny. When you're trying to get a hundred shows, yeah. whatever year that was now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, like six years ago. <laughs> but yeah, he's a really good dude. There's a guy in New Jersey. Um, I went out to his open mic. He put me on a show. He wasn't, you know, but then there's others, man. That click, they can just kind of swarm around you and like kind of push you right out of there. Want to. Yeah, part of the reason I started pr- producing shows, like I said, was to get me on more and to get other people who I thought deserved the chance to get on a show more shows. Uh, Tori Seward, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, I didn't think he was getting booked enough. Tori and I started on the same day and I think he had done one show before I put him on a show that I was running. And, you know, I'd only produced the one show. And then it took me like four months. And I think he was on that show too. So I was irritated because I'm like, well, that guy deserves more spots. I think I deserve more spots. There are a bunch of people running around Maddie B's who, you know, I, I saw they were getting kind of, you know, deflated by, you know, not getting recognized in Binghamton, Syracuse, or Scranton. So yeah, it was self selfish of me to, you know, obviously I want more stage time. So I'm going to produce shows that way too. But yeah, I, I always, hopefully... I always keep that mindset to where yeah, I want everybody to mesh well with each other and network and whatever. Because I think there's a lot of good that comes out of doing. That. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think that on the flip side of of that, I think there's a lot of comics too who just have you know who are just bitter and just uh, oh nobody's putting me on a show. I'm the funniest guy or girl yep. in the world and blah blah blah. And I I you know I think that's that's got to be the worst. Why are you even doing this if if you're just sitting there? Just mad at the world because nobody, you know, what are you doing or not doing, you know, to, to get on a show? I guess you got to look at what you actually want to do as far as comedy. Do you really, you know, how far you want to go and does it actually matter to you? But yeah, there's so many, you know, there's, you've got two, two, two energies. You got bookers who got the Messiah complex and then these comedians who are bitter and just hate the, yeah. And 
Well, and you're not going to make everybody happy. So oh, it's for like, sure, you know, no. And, and you you can't expect to be pleased all the time. So it's like you know you gotta you gotta meet in the middle. And like like you know just running the open mic or whatever. That's such a fucking. I hate it and I love it. Like, but like I I do the open mic honestly probably now because I feel obligated to do it because I don't think anybody else will do. It. Yeah. So like when I don't get a good attendance there, it hurts because it's like, dude, why am I even here? Like, if you don't give a shit, why am I here? But. I don't think anybody's going to do it if I don't. And that's probably wrong. You know, maybe, somebody, I, but maybe like, somebody will take the mantle. Yeah, you would, you would hope, but I've got the equipment now. So it's like, yeah, you know, I've got that too. Now, so, you're, now you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. stuck. So I don't know. Like, but it's like, dude, like support the scene because, you know, Maddie B's, you know, it had problems, but like it went away in part because people stopped going to the mic because that revenue, it was only open four days a week at most. So that revenue disappeared on Wednesdays and then they shut down and then people started saying, oh, I miss it. I'm like, yeah, you miss it now, don't you? Where were you when they needed you? Yeah, there's and a- that, that bothers me. So like, like, uh, you know, if and when we ever get the, the live open mic going again, I'm going to need people to go to the mic. Otherwise, it's gone. So it's like they don't think about that. It's like, you know, I don't know how to I don't know how to convey that. Yeah, there's a guy in New Jersey who runs an open mic. And I, I've been out. I went out there and he had this, you know, there was four or five of us comedians. And, and he put on a post. He's like, listen, if you don't show up, this guy, the bar owner is not going to let us come back. He'll get something else in here to get. You know, the whole reason why we're allowed to do this because he expects you know people to come in. Yeah, it's a, the open mic is a very fragile thing if you don't if you don't nurture it, you don't appreciate it. Uh, the mic at Kelly's in Endicott, we had to move that because of NASCAR trivia. Yes. You don't know low until you've been bumped for NASCAR trivia. That's how fragile a fucking mic is. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. And uh yeah, I, I don't know. It's I don't know how to I don't know how to I used to joke that, you know, I can't the only way I could get people to go to the open mic is if we have it in their fucking living room. Now we got Zoom. In their goddamn living rooms, <laughs> and they're still not going. So I'm like, well, I don't even know the answer. Yeah. I had I had the open mics in my living room. People did show up. So maybe that's the alternative. I'll just invite people over here. Yeah, I was here for that for a little while. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I don't know. I I thought about like the as the after the first comedian went, it's pretty loud, and I you know the. These are connected to your apartments. I was like, oh, I hope we don't piss well, anybody I've got, off. I've got one neighbor on one side and no oh, yeah, the, the wall. Yeah, I got the, a dumpster. I got my some, new place. You know, my, yeah. my next apartment is right next door. So it's yeah. right in the dumpster. But I don't know. So, I don't know. so what are your goals with comedy? As far as I can go, whatever that is. Um, you know, I set goals as far as, um, you know, so I, I when I started doing this, I set a series of goals. And my ultimate goal was, you know, to perform at the Carrier. That was like my idea of making it. If I'm doing a show there. But along the way, before I even worry about doing that, like right now, I don't consider the performing in the Carrier Dome an actual goal. It's I, I made little steps. So my first goal is just to get on stage at the, at the open mic. And then my second goal is make a stranger laugh. Right. So these little steps along the way. So as far as I can get in that journey, that's where I want to go, whatever that is. So hopefully I work, you know, as hard as I possibly can and it'll get me wherever I can. And at the same time, without upsetting, you know, Emily, because she came along before I was doing this. So it would be wrong of me to be like, well, this is who I am now. You know, if she asked me to stop, then yeah, stop. So all I need to do is ask her to tell you to stop. Yeah, that she is the key holder. Oh, God damn, to, that's great. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start liking all her posts and yeah. and sending her new cats. Whatever. That's it. Yeah, yeah. If she if she told me she said, listen, I don't want you to do this anymore, then that would be the end. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's wherever I can, however far I can go, whatever my talent ability is, that's what I want to do. So you might <laughs> your talent might lead you right back to nips. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's I don't know. That's kind of sweet. I mean, not the nips part. 
I don't know what it would take for me to stop doing comedy. Like maybe uh, uh, somebody stabbing me again. That could do uh, it. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, but you know, like I said, it's it's just a matter of working. You know, I try to get to as many different open mics, and I try to put myself into as many different comic scenes i like using air quotes and nobody yeah. else can see but they all get yeah, it yeah i try to put myself in as many different scenes and, and get known as you know here before this all started i had a show lined up in philadelphia you know i was doing shows in the city in albany where, where i haven't touched rochester yet i don't know if i'm hey, ever thanks you yeah <laughs> i don't know if i ever want to go up there maybe now i don't know rochester's a fun scene it's just yeah. uh yeah, it's got minefields like everybody else. So. Yeah, it's like it's it's you know when I read all the things that go on there, it's not like it's really that. Maybe it's a little more dramatic, but it's not that. So yeah, where I love a lot of the people I work with in Rochester are fucking. They're there for the jokes and they don't give a shit. They don't try. They try to ignore all the all the fucking drama. But the drama is unavoidable. I, I said this. Yeah, I don't think this. Well, by the time this airs, it'll it'll come out. But I made this joke where or this analogy to where the closest you can get to an actual high school is joining the stand-up comedy yeah like it, it'll take you 20 years right back there and it's like okay well i missed that lunchroom gossip we'll go to a fucking yeah. open mic join the comedy scene yeah. i i i after we did the show in uh norwich one of them at yeah. the, the howard johnson i uh i was telling somebody i was like this is exactly this must be what it's like uh to be a hot chick in high school constant gossiping yep. everyone pretends to get along each other the only difference is nobody's trying to bang us you know that's right. th- that's it that's that's the only the only difference oh brian walsh has made some really weird weird <laughs> yeah, uh, has he? motions my way yeah it's very strange but i enjoy it yeah well i'm sure and probably a nice break from the the butthole you get <laughs> the cats yeah the cats <laughs> yeah just mention the cats all right yeah. i don't think i get any other buttholes i think it's just a it's a constant barrage from yeah, like about that's too bad 30 to 9 30 uh, they they love to do it i got cats of my own man they they love to give you a show like hey man check this out i want to throw my tail up and just, just take a look i think like just, like i know like you're supposed to get your cats spayed and neutered you know, so to reduce the Bob Barker said it best. Right, yeah, yeah. To reduce the pet population. I cannot say spayed and neutered without thinking of Bob Barker. But I think the best way to the best reason to get a cat neutered is so you don't get his balls in your face. Well, the sack is still there. Yeah, but it's not like it's just not filled with yeah. anything. I always feel bad, like because when they when they lick their balls, if they're removed, does does the sack like just deflate and it's this constant reminder? I don't know. See, when I lick their sack, it doesn't bother them. So <laughs> you don't even notice. It, <laughs> no, it doesn't bother me either. So I don't know. Wow, this is this is a great place to cut. Yeah, like, <laughs> I will make sure to edit that part. Yeah, but no, that's uh, no. I I don't know. I I think I was really nervous uh, that that they would when I brought my my kittens home that they would hold that against me, like that that I got them fixed. My vet was like, no. They're cats. They're going to be okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They probably don't process that information or hold a grudge yeah, like that. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. It's like, they're also asleep. But I, I, my buddy Dennis, he had to have woken up and be like, no, some of my fun is gone. I like how you call him your buddy Dennis to trick the listener into it's thinking. thinking it, a friend. Yeah, it's, 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 like a, it's a good tactic. It's like when you're, when you're you know, it's from Grandma's Boy, but like Nick Swartzen is like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. Keep it down. My roommates are the, you live with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his roommates are his parents it's fine yeah. you know it's, it's a way to it's a way to um prove that i'm not so much of a loser sure well yeah this is a good spot i feel like we've come to a good place <laughs> i think uh, yeah have we gotten through some issues have we have we yeah. settled some stuff we went we went from a roll of quarters to to a cat's no i think sack. we i think we started with black lives matter oh that's right okay the, the protesting um touch statues we didn't hit covid at all no yeah. that's fine yeah i guess i guess it'll the, hit us first yeah that's yeah wear a mask wash your hands black lives matter 
have your pet spayed or neutered. <laughs> like, like, these are all the slogans these Hal's are, heard since like 1984. These, no, these these are these are the takeaways. These are the things I want people to. Have you watched Drew Carey on Price is Right? Ah, uh, sometimes. And the, you know, the only thing actually, the only thing I notice is that he has the same mic that Bob Barker yeah. had. You know, that long skinny thing. And I'm like, I don't know. That was his thing. Get your own mic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I just I I can't. I've watched him. Like I I love Drew Carey. I can't, I. Yeah, it's always going to be Bob Barker. It's there's a cadence to how you and Plinko and yeah. how the the new car might a be new car. Pride. Yeah, it's you know, Rod Rowdy. He's gone too. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's been gone for a while. But uh, yeah, I, I there there's that when that cadence isn't there, and instead you've got Drew Carey who just tries to be goofy and you know kind of you know coy and stuttering around. Like what I want you to do is I want you to look right there, and then there there it is. It's a new car. Okay, that's what you can win. I don't. I just don't feel it the same way. Yeah. I think it'd be better if like if every once in a while he brought out like a. Uh, Ryan Stiles. Like, Don't know who that is. Oh, he's on Drew Carey's show. I didn't watch. Oh, god damn it! Well, this this interview went on too long. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, that Seinfeld friends didn't watch any. You didn't of watch these. any of that? I was in the Navy, man. I was saving. I was saving the world, defending your freedom. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. <laughs> Name one time you saved the world for me. For you? Yeah. Never. For okay. everybody else, <laughs> you just. <laughs> well, it's not like you. It's not like Seinfeld and Friends have have been available to watch. Yeah, I just I wasn't into it then. I'm not going to be. There's not a single show that I've picked up after. Uh, really? Yeah. If well, I didn't the office, did you watch? Well, that I watched live? it. Yeah, I watched oh, okay. it when right. it when it happened. So if I didn't watch it when it happened, I'm not picking it up. Cheers is available on Netflix. I I've watched, never watched an episode. I watched the opening of the very first episode. I heard the song and I was good. Yeah. Called it a series. Yeah. yeah. So the the last eleven seasons, you just didn't last. You, you knew any it? of it? None. Okay. None of it. Not a single bit. I heard the the opening song of the first as I got thirty seconds. Oh, wow. cheers! All right. Yeah. All right. Now I think some things have happened. Yeah, I'm sure a lot happened, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's none of my business. I just never understood why. Uh, and I guess you know I never watch a show, so I can't really say it. But but like the mailman is always in the bar. When does he deliver mail? Yeah, when does he deliver mail? And how has he not lost his job for driving right. drunk? Right. I mean, it's the '80s, so it wasn't as enforced. Yeah, it's probably probably recommended, honestly. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Plus, he's in, in Boston, I assume. Yeah, Boston, I'm, I'm guessing, and yeah. Uh, and then there was Norm. I th- I don't know. I'm assuming he was a salesman. Yeah, I have no idea. When did he ever make a sale? What do these people do? How do they have this money to buy beers at a bar in Boston? You know, if they're not out working. Do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Never. Wow, okay. All right. Yeah. That one I think you'd like. Maybe, maybe. But I, I probably will never watch it. I didn't watch uh, that 70s show um, and the kids like that one. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of newer sitcoms. The Office is probably the last one that I watch. You know, not, you know, Netflix, like a big mouth and globe. But yeah. Like TV sitcoms. Please. So you probably aren't going to go into sitcom writing. Definitely not. Okay. No. <laughs> what if Ed O'Neill comes out and says, hey, man, I saw your act. Uh, I'd like you to write a pilot for me. Yeah, well, you, you're going to have a redheaded wife and you're going back in the shoe <laughs> business, buddy, because that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this is great. I appreciate you coming here. Yeah, no, and, uh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, you want to plug social media or anything? No, you follow me if you can find me. I mean, yeah. I'm I'll on, have everything listed in there. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, I'm on Twitter mostly. That's where I do most of my stuff because a lot of my stuff, I don't want my family boss to I do it. Twitter's great because it is a no holds barred. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I don't have anything to plug. When we open back up, maybe then we'll see if it ever happens. I think it'll happen. I think 2023, 2024. I'm really, right around there. Really yeah. looking forward to those years. I hope so. Yeah. 
what a weird world when I stop and actually start to think about like different things are. I know what's going on forever here. See so you looking at the clock and your producer's over tapping his wrist. No, that, that's, but, that's D. Is that what that sweet is? D, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, I think she's licking uh, herself, so it's fine. But, uh, there you go. Fantastic. So, well, yeah, thanks for having me, man. No I problem. appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. All right. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, I end this and we'll talk awkwardly a little? Sure. Okay, okay. absolutely. Goodbye. Wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in